thanks everybody for joining. It's Jack Meehan, the Life Science Tools and Diagnostics Analyst here at Nephron Research. And I have a big positioning update this morning for our coverage of uh, tools and diagnostics. And the punchline is that as we, it's been a very busy first quarter for us of coverage here at Nephron. And you know whether it's from our industry trackers or survey work, the expert events we've been hosting, management access, everything's triangulating on one theme, which is that the quarterly visibility for the group's really good. I think it's a combination of the core recovery coming in a little bit stronger than expected, which we'll talk about, but also the fact that I think there's still gonna be upside to the COVID solutions revenue for companies in our coverage, uh, specifically focused on testing as well as bioprocessing for the vaccines and therapeutics. So ultimately, you know, it's just a winning recipe, we think. Uh, quickly, just a few points on the end markets. I'm gonna walk through that in a little bit more detail, but the punchline is in biopharma, funding environment looks really robust. And uh, healthcare, after the initial pandemic dip, uh, the external trackers we look at, whether it's management commentary or uh, Zyphon has a really cool lab volume index, which shows we're essentially closing in on pre-pandemic levels at this point, the core is coming back. Uh, then on capital equipment, uh, as positives, we've seen PMIs rebound. We've seen from our import export tracker, trade data looks better. Uh, on the flip side though, energies, you know, there's some pockets of pressure, whether it's in energy or in academic end markets where uh, from our external checks, uh, we've heard researchers say that universities uh, are scrutinizing some of the high ticket purchases. Uh, so with that, just as some actions, uh, what we did was we've raised price targets across our core life science tools coverage. Uh, two that I would really be highlighting are Danaher and Thermo Fisher. Still think they check all the boxes. Uh, we'll hit on them in more detail later. We're also upgrading Agilent to hold. I just think with the core recovery, you know, it's tough to justify the sell recommendation. I do think just on the margin, relative lack of exposure to COVID solutions as one thing keeping it from a buy, the other is kind of the pocket of exposure to energy. And then finally would highlight, we're downgrading Illumina to hold. You could probably tell from some of our recent research, we're not on board with the Grail acquisition. We don't understand the merits of the strategy there. Uh, we do have some concerns on the academic end market around the recovery there. Um, and now since shares have bounced really hard off the bottom, uh, decided to step aside. A uh, quick look at stock performance. The group's had a good run. Um, we're up 39% year to date. Uh, the S&P is up 8%. It's really broad based. Um, across the coverage. Uh, however, when I look at valuation, I don't think you know I can rationalize where we are for the group. Um, historically, there has been a correlation between life science tools and the S&P 500. Uh, the group's blown right through by that, though when you look at 2022 numbers, which is a post-COVID world in our models at least, uh, the group 20 and a half times EBITDA for tools, uh, S&P currently trading at 18.2 times 2022 consensus forecasts. I can justify the group premium. You know, the group's proven to be essentially pandemic proof and in some ways proven to be a bit of a winner. Um, and given we have these low interest rates, it's tough to find good shorts in this environment. You know, I would be, you know, again, kind of this theme of core recovery, uh, strong COVID tailwinds. I think. Uh, that's the right solution. 
Uh, I think that's also highlighted just quickly if you look at trailing 12-month valuation versus, again, looking out to 2022, there's a big difference, um, you know, between when you look at it from a historical lens, given the pressure in the first six months of 2020 versus, you know, kind of a normalized environment once COVID, knock on wood, is over. Uh, so let's jump into the core of the thesis, just looking at the shape of the recovery, starting with biopharma. Uh, you would look at these funding trends for the group and wonder what pandemic. Uh, there's been nine point through three quarters of 2020, there's been 9.4 billion biotech IPOs. Year to date, this would be the biggest number in history. When we look on the right, VC activity, first six months of 2020, and this comes from the National Venture Capital Association, also at record highs. Um, so, you know, a lot of focus for the group is how do you convert this red hot funding into actual work? Uh, when we look at where the dollars are going, uh, continue to see this shift toward large molecule, uh, and it makes sense. Uh, you know, I think it's where the science is going. Science has been good. You have an accommodative FDA. Uh, for my coverage, that has been bullish on bioprocessing. It's been a core component of our thesis for Danaher and Thermo Fisher. And on the contrast, it's, you know, I think we're cautious around this crowding out of small molecule where Waters has more exposure with liquid chromatography, and we'll hit on that in a few minutes as well. Uh, for the CROs, you know, the, again, on this core recovery, continue to see opening of sites on the bottom left. Uh, we're pairing some data from WGC Clinical, which shows the number of sites open for physical access, along with commentary from Cineos, which showed, you know, and Icon has made this similar commentary that you've seen about one to 4% of sites open per week. Uh, so, you know, we can, for the CROs, continue to see a bounce off the bottom. On the right, if you look at where that's coming, um, clearly a lot of demand for COVID-19 solutions. That's been a big, the vaccine work for ICON, IQVIA, and PPD. I uh, think they're really, this combination of COVID work being additive to the core recovery, I uh, feel like visibility is pretty good. And on that mark, here's a proprietary tracker we have where we're pulling data from the careers websites uh, for each of the companies in our coverage. And just wanted to highlight for the CROs, they continue to do a lot of hiring. And for me, I view that as a bullish signal uh, because in this service type model, you're only hiring people if there's work to be done. So, uh, you know, it's really across the board. Each of the CROs is getting back to work. Uh, turning to the healthcare side and diagnostics, we've also seen this core recovery. Uh, if you look, just start with the management commentary quest. If you look, was saying April volumes down 50 to 60%, May was down over 30%, June was down roughly 15%, and then you know we're seeing July down kind of high singles, August mid to high singles. That actually matches up pretty well with some data from Zyphen. They're a lab revenue cycle management company uh, where so they see um, a lot of the billing which takes place for the industry. And if you look at the green line, which is uh, the core testing, uh, as of October 4th, they're reading last week, uh, we were closing right in on 100% of pre-pandemic levels. It's not perfect because we're benchmarking to March and there is some seasonality throughout the year. However, you know, that said, I think it's 
you know, especially in the context of usually the summer is a little softer, um, feel like the recovery, uh, have good enough visibility on that uh, to feel good about the core for the labs and the diagnostic companies. Turning to capital equipment, uh, pandemic was short-lived. PMIs bounced back quick, uh, strong really across the board, depending, you know, regardless of the geography you're looking at. Uh, the one pocket of pressure we've been keeping an eye on on the bottom is in energy where oil obviously had a near-death experience at the end of April. And uh, because of that, if you look on the bottom left, this is rig counts over a two-decade period uh, from Baker Hughes really at all-time lows. So, you know, specifically for a company like Agilent, where roughly 10 to 15% of revenue is exposed to the energy end markets with gas chromatography, uh, you know, that's just one, for them, it's kind of a unique exposure versus some of the other tools companies. Um, I don't have any great charts to show the academic pressure, but we've done a couple of events over the last uh, few months uh, with a couple of genomics researchers, as well as our trip to the Broad Institute. And I just got the sense that given the lack of students returning to campus, that there is higher scrutiny from these universities on high ticket purchasing. Um, so I feel like academic is taking a little bit longer uh, to recover than some of the more cyclical areas. Uh, another external data point on core tools CapEx, we look at our import-export tracker. This comes from the Census Bureau. Uh, what we've seen is that purchasing for life science tools categories, you know, after dipping in the month, on, I like the month by month on the bottom. Uh, if you look, it was down in February and it was down in March and April, uh, then turned positive in May. It was positive in July, kind of easy comps, but that continued into August. I would match that up with commentary in our tools coverage, just really across the board that July and August turned positive. The one area that stands out here, though, is liquid chromatography, again, for waters, where we've seen that has really been sluggish to recover down double digits uh, in, you know, like 10 of the last 11 months. It's really, it really stands out versus some of the other categories. And again, the concern there is that all this money that's going into bioprocess could be crowding out some of the investment in LC. Uh, this is looking at it from the import side, kind of similar takeaways. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we've held two conference calls in the last month on testing and vaccines, but um, just a couple of quick things. Continue to see cases tick upward um, from our update even just a week and a half ago, uh, and that's true from the global lens as well. Uh, as we look into the upcoming quarter, something I'm pretty focused on is capacity expansion. Danaher hasn't given an update since last earnings, so how much more can they push Cepheid? Uh, that could be a potential area of upside for them. And then also, how much can they convert to revenue? Um, you know, for Thermo Fisher, you know, as an example, if I look at 20... At the, third, at the fourth quarter and into 2021, we assume they only ship about 35% of what they make because you know, the numbers get a little too crazy otherwise, but if the demand stays as strong as it is, it's possible they actually ship more uh, relative to what they quote they make, which is on the left. So um, we're focused on that. Obviously another good reading from Perk and Elmer this morning uh, with their COVID tailwinds coming in stronger than expected. Uh, for the labs, uh, similarly, 
feel really good about the near-term outlook. Uh, we've updated some of these charts for LabCorp and Quest. On the top, I would just highlight, uh, this is matching a few data sets, one from HHS looking at PCR demand, another looking at the COVID tracking project, uh, and then LabCorp and Quest, their weekly volumes, uh, will get Quest's update tonight. But LabCorp, you know, we've seen uh, PC, as antigen ramps up, PCR demand is held in strong, uh, and LabCorp and Quest continue to hold their own from a market share perspective. LabCorp uh, has put up 800,000 tests per week for COVID detection uh, the last two weeks. So we've seen that tick up from kind of the lull that took place uh, around uh, Labor Day. Uh, last comment on COVID testing. A week ago, we got the catalyst we were looking for. Uh, HHS extended the $100 rate. Uh, and that goes out through January. I assume, you know, base cases that we continue to remain in this pandemic come January. So it's, you know, it's possible we continue to get these extensions. Uh, that's what happened at least with Zika and swine flu. They each got extended a few times, the public health emergency. So that's good for the $100 funding. On the drug development side, uh, what I would just highlight here would be uh, the trials are moving rapidly through phase three development. You know, as that, so you can see on the bottom right, we show the enrollment for Moderna and Pfizer. For the CROs, what I think that means is the further you go in, the risk around cancellation obviously comes down a lot because once you dose patients, you still have to do all the same follow-up activity uh, that's required uh, for two years. So uh, feel good about and at least what we've seen in terms of some of the initial results for PPD specifically, the COVID work is coming an additive to the core recovery. Uh, so for the companies with the biggest exposure, that's Icon, IQVIA, and PPD. Um, IQVIA, I feel like, is probably the sleeper within that, where people, where they're going to be giving a 2021 guidance, most likely with third quarter earnings. I think that's going to be a good catalyst. Um, also, I feel like still it's possible the J&J trial for them. Uh, we're pretty sure they're working on, it's not 100%, but based on commentary, we're pretty sure they're working on J&J. &J. feel like that's flying under the radar. Everybody knows about AstraZeneca because they press released it, but um, you know, feel like these three companies are going to be able to rock it out of the pandemic uh, depths faster than some of their zero peers. What I would highlight on the bioprocessing side, which I think is incremental, is uh, everybody's very focused on the vaccine opportunity for our coverage, and they should be. Uh, it is a big opportunity. We're talking about billions of doses of vaccine. But it's possible the therapeutic opportunity could actually be bigger. Um, and it really comes down to how much the industry can actually supply. Um, so just comparing on this analysis we show on the top is the vaccines and on the bottom is the therapeutics. You know, I think one of the reasons everybody's focused on the vaccine is, you know, we're gonna make 4 billion doses of vaccine. We might only have, you know, 5 million doses of therapeutic. It's a significant difference. But that said, the dosage is also significantly different. Um, for Regeneron, as an example, uh, they have a 2.4 gram dosage. They have the acram dosage, uh, which President Donald Trump has notably gotten. That compares to about 50 micrograms in our base case dosage for the vaccines, which is a 50,000 
you know, times difference in dosage. So uh, the numbers can get pretty crazy when it gets to uh, the potential therapeutic opportunity. Um, so again, I like riding Danaher and Thermo Fisher here. Uh, we don't cover Replogen, but I know some people view them as kind of a pure play exposure to that. Uh, you know, as we get ready for the quarter, I would just highlight quickly, when you look at consensus, the numbers are still way all over the map. Um, so on the left, this is looking at revenue just for the upcoming quarter. And the number of companies where the spread between the low and the high end uh, being over 5% is, it's the majority of companies in our coverage. Um, so, and then when it comes to EPS, the number of companies where it's an over 10% spread is also significant. So what I show here is a comparison of my forecast versus consensus. And I would just caveat, I think consensus is still useless. So, you know, these comparisons are only as good as the benchmark. Uh, what I would highlight though, uh, for you know, because some companies are going to start to give 2021 guidance. As I look out to 2021, notably Agilent, Metler, Toledo, uh, and Hologic are companies that are going to be giving. Well, I think Agilent. It depends. I'm not sure exactly how they're going to do it. I think Hologic is going to go quarter by quarter. It's possible Agilent goes quarter by quarter. Metler might put a flag. You know, plant a flag for 2021. But I actually think you know there's some upside. Uh, for most of the tools companies, when you look at 2021, the exception being Illumina. So uh, feel like, again, this combination of core recovery plus COVID uh, visibility is pretty good. So we'll quickly hit some focus stocks and get this wrapped up quick. Uh, again, uh, two I would really be pushing hard are Thermo Fisher and also Danaher. We're gonna start with Thermo. They gave a big update on September 8th at their analyst day. Uh, the COVID tailwinds coming in uh, bigger than expected, but I think it's possible, again, they could continue to be bigger than what they laid out then, because since then we've seen uh, PCR demand strengthening as we go into year end. Uh, since then, we've had uh, progress on the therapeutic side for COVID-19, uh, where they're going to be a significant supplier in upstream solutions, probably in cell culture. So I uh, feel good there. And, uh, you know, in that context, in a market where we have low interest rates and the group's pandemic proof, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of reasons to like Thermo Fisher. Next, Danaher. Uh, there's a little bit more mystery around Danaher because they haven't given any formal updates since 2Q, but the mystery is really how positive it's going to be because, um, you know, similarly with testing, with Cepheid, they're the gold standard of the point of care, the only uh, PCR solution. Uh, we expect them to, this is our base case for manufacturing capacity. It's really, you know, this is a key assumption where we're hoping for more visibility. Uh, one positive update we definitely got in the quarter was they got the FDA approval for their fluvid test. That should unlock some more manufacturing, also offers potential for a higher price point. Uh, and then on the bioprocessing side, we did build in the vaccine into our model for bioprocessing. Uh, we're looking for some commentary on the therapeutic. Again, it's possible that's actually bigger. Uh, quickly hit on Avantour. We're raising our price target to $28. Uh, for them, uh, feel good. Again, the core recovery is taking place. Felt like CEO Michael Stubblefield uh, helped to clear that up with commentary around July. Trends, low single digits growing into September. Uh, the key for them is really this mRNA opportunity. They're highly levered to that. Um, 
we're seeing Pfizer and Moderna make the biggest progress amongst the vaccines, uh, potentially, you know, tracking toward an EUA before year end. So uh, they're a key supplier when it comes to the specialty chemicals. Uh, for them, just tying it all together as a thesis, it's all about the multiple in the earnings power. And I feel like visibility is improving on the earnings power uh, in a group where Mettler trades at 24 times, trades at 25 times, and Thermo trades at 23, and Danaher trades at 24, and Agilent's over 20 times. Um, we think a three and a half turn discount's appropriate for Avantour. So, um, you know, given they are a distributor, but with some key proprietary franchises. So I uh, think, you know, this is one just kind of ride the leverage and uh, there's still some good upside. Uh, Biorad quickly feel like our trackers show the diagnostics business, the core recovery is well underway. Uh, we do think also, you know, they're kind of a sleeper exposure to bioprocessing. Their stake in Sartorius is now over eight and a half billion dollars. So, you know, it just kind of shows the core, uh, the core of Biorad still pretty cheap. Looking to the upcoming quarter, it's all about the margins. Uh, last quarter, exa-tariff impact uh, margins were up over 200 basis points year over year. So uh, looking for the management team, we think they have a lot of flexibility to keep margins moving the right way. Uh, Hologic, we've set on a lot on Hologic so far, but uh, focus is on how quickly they can scale capacity. Uh, again, we think they're going to go quarter by quarter with guidance. Just, uh, you know, that's what they had been doing leading up to uh, fiscal 2021. But, you know, given the limited amount of visibility, uh, we think that's probably the right way to go. Uh, Icon, this is really kind of the cleanest way to play uh, COVID trials. Um, along with PPD. Uh, again, they're most exposed to Pfizer. They're help, we believe they're helping Pfizer work on their trial uh, and think that the amount of hiring going on uh, is a bullish signal for that taking place. Similar to IQVIA, again mentioned, uh, we think the fact that they're planning to give 2021 guidance earlier than expected is a bullish signal. Uh, hoping for that with 3Q. And then uh, given the combination, they're working on we believe two operation warp speed candidates with both Astra and J and J possible. They could put up a big book to bill in the quarter. Uh, and again, what we saw with PPD is that the COVID work is coming in incremental to the core recovery. So, uh, you know, I feel like in my CRO coverage, we really like the ability of some of these CROs to be excel, you know, the ones that are, have the most COVID exposure to be accelerating their way out of the bottom of the pandemic uh, for PPD. Still think there's some left in the tank because uh, you know, as we head into 2021, the focus is gonna be on their burn rates and getting back up uh, to, to the 12% levels they've done in the past. Uh, turning to the labs quick, uh, we did, a, I don't wanna spend too much time here for both LabCorp and Quest. We did a big update a week and a half ago, um, but I would highlight on the bottom right here again, uh, since Labor Day, we've seen volumes for the labs for COVID testing continue to work their way back higher. Uh, so for those that have been concerned that the COVID testing market's gonna totally decentralize these antigen solutions, uh, that's not happening. Uh, same with Quest, we'll get an update tonight. Um, then 
let's talk the ratings changes we made. Uh, Agilent, it's pretty straightforward. Um, again, we're seeing this core recovery take place. Um, on the margin, I would nitpick the relative lack of exposure to COVID solutions, uh, though they do have some automation solutions, and we've heard a lot about pipette tip shortages uh, where they're a supplier with their Bravo system. Um, you know, it's, you know, again, like if I'm putting new money to work, I'm owning in tool land, uh, the, the ones with bioprocessing exposure, Danaher, Thermo, Avantour would be our preference, but um, it, I would just found it, it was difficult to justify the sell. So we're moving to hold, you know, and I think just kind of focused on the core recovery here. Illumina. Still do not understand or agree with the strategy for Grail. Um, you know, at the end of the day, this is not like the Selexa deal, in my opinion. That had a very quick payoff, and it was almost immediately accretive by our math. This is going to be a 14-year payoff on Grail. Um, despite that, if you look on the bottom right, the stock has basically rebounded and picked up almost everything it gave up from prior to when the Grail rumors started. So, you know, I look out, and then I don't believe that's updated on the bottom left. I'll have to fix that. But uh, when you look at the dilution for uh, the Grail deal, uh, so I'm sorry, I'll fix that on the bottom left. It's correct in the report, but we're way below the street when it comes to consensus. So um, I think street numbers are going to have to come down. I don't think it's a sell. I think there's still a recovery trade into 2021 um, and funding is healthy. But, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, I do have some concerns around the core, given what we're hearing from academic researchers on capital spend. Uh, don't want to spend too much time on Quidel other than, you know, it's really about the capacity at which they expand. And I feel like the Fluvid approval, you know, their ability to get higher pricing uh, is going to be a key component of the uplift into the end of the year. Uh, Myriad, it's all about the gene site coverage decision. I think that there's still, you know, beyond just the price cut, which we now know about, uh, could be some risk around. Uh, the the way it actually gets implemented and some of the hurdles that CMS is putting in place to order gene site tests. So it's incumbent on CEO Paul Diaz now uh, to find ways to reduce costs. We did build 50 million of cost savings into our model already just to keep them from going uh, into the loss category. So, um, you know, we think they're gonna have to move fast. Finally, waters. Uh, already talked on this a little bit, but again, I think it's just like, look at where the dollars are flowing. It's going toward large molecule, and we think it's at the risk of small molecule. You can see it pretty uh, directly on the bottom right of the slide where, you know, Danaher and Thermo Fisher putting up really strong growth in biopharma, whereas Waters has seen much more pressure. Um, you know, so we're looking to hear what uh, new CEO, Dipatra, has to say about um, new investment back into the business. So uh, I think it's gonna have to be really internal investment versus uh, M&A where, you know, in order to, because the M&A outlook, it's gonna be really tough to compete with some of these other consolidators for the top, for the top assets. So with that, um, thank you everybody for dialing in. I'm happy, shoot me an email if you wanna follow up in more detail on any of these companies, we're on the group call. 
um, but I appreciate you taking the time and uh, hope you're all doing well. Thanks.